job up. Good job up. Welcome, my friends, to the Moon Jockeys podcast. <laughs> An in-depth discussion of Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines. Now, here are your hosts, Katie and Brian. Welcome to another episode of Moon Jockeys Podcast. My name is Brian, one of your hosts. Katie, how are you doing tonight? Hi, Brian. Good evening. I'm doing great. It's been like such a fun week for fandom. You know, uh, Thor Ragnarok came out. That was really cool. A bunch of cartoons are updating. And I know uh, Star Wars Rebels is about wrapping up. It's about to hit the mid-season point, isn't it? Yeah, one. I believe it's one more week. Just one more week. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it's been a really exciting week, and I am just absolutely pumped for everything going on right now, and not the least of which is our new discussion. We're going to have a great topic tonight. We're going to talk about Qui-Gon Jinn. I know you love to talk about The Phantom Menace. Yes. So My favorite Star Wars movie. <laughs> some of the story group um, guys I talked to say that he was the quintessential Jedi of the uh, Jedi Order time. So that's an Ooh. interesting uh, thought to think of when you consider his character and in, in his uh, his significance in the Jedi Order. Yeah, Qui Gon Jinn. He is. Uh, he's fascinating. I just uh, love picking apart his character and picking apart the things that he said and the impact that he had, even for just one movie. He's so amazing, and let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's talk some Qui-Gon Jinn, yes? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. We put up <laughs> a poll this week. Uh, do you want to give us the results? Yeah, well, our poll was, uh, which missing storyline would you most like to see about Qui-Gon Jinn? We posted this on our Twitter, uh, Moon Jockeys Pod, uh, and we gave a couple of theoretical ideas for uh, Qui-Gon Jinn's stories, and the winning, uh, I guess, idea that people liked the most was a story about Qui-Gon Jinn's training with Count Dooku. I guess he wouldn't have been Count Dooku back then. It would right. have been Jedi Master Dooku, right? So I guess what people want the most, they want to see teeny tiny baby Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> Like growing his first beard. <laughs> Back when he had stubble. Back when he had stubble. Yes, maybe he's like uh, he's trying to look like Dooku. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna grow a beard too, just like you. <laughs> Aw, poor Qui Gon. <laughs> that's like that's kind of something I love about uh, Luke's look in the Last Jedi is that he's like finally, <laughs> you know, he's grown his he's grown Jedi into his beard. beard. <laughs> yeah you know just like all the jedi masters that came before him that's like that's his obi-wan beard slash qui-gon beard slash dooku beard it's like <laughs> he's got this long legacy of beard <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry he's got to measure up to all the jedi that have come before exactly yeah though you know he's looking a little scraggly there on octo i think uh, i think he needs to you know, keep the beard, definitely. Don't shave it all off. Like, I like the direction he's going in, but maybe upkeep it a little bit. Maybe get a comb, some shampoo. <laughs> you got to get some product in the beard to give it that nice uh, softness. 
Right. You know, he, you know, that's, that's probably why, you know, he and Kylo need to reconcile is so that Kylo can compare <laughs> styling to him. Oh, dear. <laughs> GQ Kylo. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, but um, in any case, mm-hmm. I was kind of rooting for the Mandalore Civil War option in a poll. Oh, sure. Yeah. A story about Qui-Gon Jinn uh, with uh, Obi-Wan as his apprentice. Yeah. And they, yeah, the, the whole story about Obi-Wan meeting Satine. I, I'm not sure if that's a good Qui-Gon story, though. That's more of a that's more of an Obi-Wan story, isn't it? It is, and it's a like Mandalore and Obi-Wan and Satine romance. You know, now I I like that idea, but I'm if I had to like write a story about Qui-Gon Jinn about his character, I would want to see him training. Obi-Wan but I would want to do it before all this Mandalore stuff I would want Obi-Wan to be maybe like 14 years old Hmm. like this is one of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's very very first missions I think that would be really cool and you know we could do it we could do it because Liam Neeson is now as old as Qui-Gon Jinn is supposed to be which is kind of ridiculous Mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor's almost that old too. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. We 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 recast Obi Wan. Just oh. get rid. No. Just I know everyone loves Ewan. Ewan McGregor's everyone's favorite guy, and we all can't wait to see him play old Obi Wan. I get it. Like I understand. But what I like really want out of a Qui Gon story is to see him training really young Obi Wan and laying the basis of that relationship and that you know that master apprentice give and take. Like oh, that would be my dream. And now you see uh, Qui Gon Jinn at the time of the Phantom Menace. His character is supposed to be sixty years old at the time of his death. You know, at the time of the events. You know, where he's meeting Anakin, all that stuff. Sixty. But 60, yes, the character is 60. Where do you Liam get Neeson, that from? What? You get the, like, it, it is known, okay? It's factual. <laughs> he He's 60 years old, but Liam Neeson was definitely not 60 years old at the time of, of filming this movie. No. So they made him look older by, like, putting gray in his hair and stuff, <laughs> which, like, you know, your mileage may vary with how much you believe he actually looks 60 years old. I mean, you, you compare Qui-Gon Jinn, like a picture of Qui-Gon Jinn from 1999, you know, Liam Neeson in the full makeup and, right. and gray hair and all that, to a picture of Liam Neeson now, and they don't exactly look the same. <laughs> I think they underestimated how much gray hair we get as we age. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, my point being that you could still do it. You can take 60-year-old Liam Neeson, you know, and still have him play this character. It, it's kind of secretly brilliant, I think, that they cast a much younger man to play a much older man. Yeah. Because, you know, now that it's 20 years later, you can still revisit this character and have the same actor play it. Kind of like how they did with Ian McDermott, right? Yeah. For, uh, for Palpatine. In you Return know, of the Jedi. Yeah, he's much younger, obviously, than he is when they filmed the prequels. But you don't really get too much that you know that time skip. You you don't really feel the actor getting older because in the prequels he looks how old he's supposed to be because right. <laughs> because they had twenty years for him to age up, which is, it's really neat. So yeah, that's my dream. I'm like, forget this Mandalore stuff. I'm sorry, Ewan, but you can go do your own Obi Wan movie. 
this is a Qui-Gon movie and it needs to be about Qui-Gon and Teensy Tiny Obi-Wan. It would be interesting to see if we did see Dooku training Qui-Gon, getting another glimpse into how Dooku trains in the light side of the force would be an interesting counterpoint to what we saw mm-hmm. with him with Savage. Oh yeah, in the Clone Wars animated series. Yeah, that would that would be really cool. I have a feeling that Dooku was always that kind of harsh taskmaster, but not in the Sith way like we saw him with Savage, because with Savage, Dooku was just constantly kicking dirt in Savage's face, telling him get up. Somehow I don't think he... <laughs> force lightning would be frowned upon in the Jedi Order. Oh yeah, I, if he could even do it back then. I don't even know if he if he had learned that particular trick yet. So I feel like he probably was very stern with Qui-Gon, but definitely not like, oh hey, you can't do it? I'm just going to zap you until you can. Like, <laughs> no. Oh. Like, I don't think even Yoda in the prequels would have allowed that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that would not fly. No. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I got to tease Yoda a little bit. <laughs> you got to get your jabs in while you can, because he is one of the best Jedi Masters ever. That's true, that's true. Oh, gosh, well, I want to talk a little bit about the history of the character, just because I find this stuff fascinating. Okay. Uh, you know, just kind of um, where the character came from, you know, uh, in our in a real-world sense. Uh, what was our first introduction to Qui-Gon as, you know, as a character and as an audience? Sure. Um, one of the very first... Uh, images we ever had for the phantom menace was in fact of qui-gon jinn fighting darth maul in the sands of tatooine and this image leaked online and of course um from what i hear it made everyone speculate wildly (laughs) oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it was uh the theme of my computer back in 98 (laughs) like that was my back uh my what do they call it your uh your back background yeah your my desktop? background of the desktop yeah got you yeah no i can imagine it just i know how crazy people go these days for trailers and stuff and you know as soon as this stuff appears online we all have to speculate wildly and there's pictures you know the sets and you know leaked images come out all the time but i have to imagine that back in in the late 90s when the internet was a you know relatively new thing just having one image must have been mind blowing. And of course it would just make, it would create a frenzy of speculation. Um, I I wasn't old enough to be involved in any of that speculation back in 1999. I was just a kid. Um, But you know, some of the stuff is recorded. And so what, what I found, what people talk about um, when they talk, when they say, Oh yeah, here's this image. And it created so much speculation. They say that, um, what Qui-Gon is wearing on Tatooine, that kind of poncho. (laughs) That apparently sparked everyone's imagination and made them all wonder if, like, this is what inspires Obi-Wan to become a hermit. Oh, my. (laughs) I'm just, oh, man, I'm imagining if we just had, like, one image to go off of, you know, and create all of our spoilers and theories for for The Last Jedi. I, yeah, I think we would probably also go really wild with it. Well, yeah, because us mm-hmm. spoiler people become like foaming at the mouth savages where we just need something to set our imaginations on fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, I really like I really like that it, it was specifically Qui Gon and Maul that gave people such fever for for the Phantom Menace and for you know Episode One. Of course, Episode One was going to be hyped no matter what, but. I mean, can you imagine if it had been Child Anakin or something, if that had been the image that leaked online? I think it's very special that our two Phantom Menace, you know, icons, Maul and Qui-Gon, you know, these characters that started in the Phantom Menace and then their stories supposedly end in the Phantom Menace, that was, as an audience, that was our first look They're lucky into the movie. That's cool. Social <laughs> media wasn't around back then and... Right. Um, the internet was just like in when I started college in '94. Um, the internet was still pretty darn new, mm-hmm. um, and so the ability to download images and stuff took a lot of time because we didn't have broadband back then. Oh gosh, you know, I do remember that. Yeah, I was just a kid, but I do remember like how long it would take to download something. Like I wanted to watch the uh, the Phantom Menace trailer, and so you had to download it, and uh-huh. it took like two hours. Yeah, absolutely. Like with dial-up, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, exactly. We would in our college oh. room. We'd start the download, go do something, and then a couple hours later, come back and watch it. Like. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very yeah. different world back then. If social media was around and if we would have seen the first image of um, Jake Lloyd as Anakin, that would have oh, set the fandom on fire. <laughs> I bet, you know, everybody would have been so upset. Like, what do you mean Anakin's a kid in this one? <laughs> right. Like, right. you went oh. back too far. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, of course, that was our first informal introduction to Qui-Gon as a character. But then uh, as the movie got closer to release, we got a formal introduction of his character in the terms of the the Phantom Menace marketing. Um, Of course, Darth Maul's face was everywhere. Darth Maul was the marketing for this movie, at least in my recollection. I I remember being a kid and just seeing his face everywhere. He absolutely was. Yeah. And he was... (laughs) my third favorite character from the get-go just on his design and i was so excited about getting this dark lord of the sith oh everybody everyone loves darth maul's design it's oh but we're not here to talk about him i know (laughs) okay don't get me started Um, but, oh, that's right. Part of the Phantom Menace marketing was a series of commercials called Tone Poems. Mm -hmm. They took a bunch of the the main characters from the Phantom Menace and gave them each a little spotlight. Uh, They gave them each a poem to recite. So uh, Anakin got a poem, Padme got a poem, Shmi Skywalker got a poem, and Qui-Gon Jinn got a poem. And we've digged that up on YouTube because you can find anything there. And, uh, Brian, you want to play that clip for me? Let's hear Qui-Gon's tone poem. Sure thing. It will be a hard life. One without reward, without remorse, without regret. A path will be placed before you. The choice is yours alone. Do what you think you cannot do. It will be a hard life. But you will find out who you are. That's got to be the most depressing uh, <laughs> recruiting video I've ever heard. Oh, I think I don't know. I think it works for Qui Gon. 
Liam Neeson just sounds so wise. <laughs> it you, will be remember, a hard life. Do you remember seeing this on TV? I I don't I don't remember seeing this one in particular. I do remember seeing the Darth Maul one and watching it over and over again. I don't remember do, this. I do not. Okay. I I um, don't think I saw the tone poems um back then. Mhm. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, Darth Maul got one too. <laughs> Again, like I'll just be here all day if, if I get sidetracked talking about Darth Maul. But uh, but also Jar Jar got one. Yeah. You know how um how uh Qui Gon's is one destiny. Jar Jar's was called one friend. Oh really? Oh Jar Jar. <laughs> he just wants to be your friend. He does. Oh. <laughs> Misa friendly, but, but I uh, I do I do like Qui Gon's quite a bit. I mean, you're right. It is a bit of a depressing um, advertisement for the for the Jedi. I mean, why would you want to be a Jedi when uh, when a uh, you know their recruitment agent is sitting there going, "It'll be a hard life. It'll be a hard life." You don't you don't really get a lot of uh, new recruits that way. No. But uh, but he does um, the way he says it'll be one without remorse or regret that that is intriguing i mean okay he says it'll be a, a hard life one without reward but it's also without remorse or regret and i guess that is really what a jedi is supposed to be aren't they they're not supposed to be in it for personal gain and personal glory right well yeah they they're supposed to have a selfless life of service mm -hmm. um and but But you're, you're just not a fan of it in general because it's kind of sad. <laughs> it just sounds really monotone. And yeah, that's like, fair. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I feel the, the point of these uh, tone poems is to kind of give you a taste of the character. And, yeah. and of course, at the time, make you want to go see the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, I guess they're not supposed to be any anything more or less than, than a piece of advertisement. But... It, to me, it gets across this idea that Qui-Gon Jinn is our old, wizened Obi-Wan of the story. Like, if you're coming into The Phantom Menace expecting Obi-Wan to be that old hermit on Tatooine, this, that, that's not that movie. Obi-Wan isn't that guy yet. Qui-Gon is that guy. Right. He is who Obi-Wan needs to turn into and become. And I think this, this poem gets that across. I think that... <clears throat> Qui-Gon mm -hmm. in the in the film is a lot wiser and has a lot more to say than the tone poem. Uh, oh sure, yeah. I guess it was mm -hmm. one of the probably the first things that they wrote for him. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to overstate this tone poem so uh, you know too much. It, it's not a it's not a complete summary of his character. Sure, it, it's like I said before. It's just a little taste. But uh, but maybe let's talk a little bit about the the character's backstory. Now that we've talked about his history, let's talk about his actual character backstory. Okay. Which uh, sadly is now mostly not canon. It's it's all mostly legends. Yeah. Uh, what we did know about Qui Gon Jinn is now a big shrug slash question mark. <laughs> um. But uh. But I I do think we can take a lot of the stuff that we did know and. I guess it, it's it's canon until proven guilty. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a positive way to look at it because mm -hmm. until then, they change it, it's still the mo most of what you, you have to go off of. 
Mm-hmm. Well, well, and also we have to remember that even if they change things moving forward, if Story Group decides to say, oh, Qui-Gon's home planet was this other planet and not Coruscant, the fact that Coruscant once was uh, considered Qui-Gon's home planet, that doesn't form something of his character. And and in Story Group is always pulling from legends. It, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what I'm trying to say because, of course, you know, canon is canon, and canon informs the story moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we can should completely dismiss what came before because even if it's dismissed, it it did lay the basis for who this character was. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, as I said, it used to be that Qui Gon's home world was Coruscant, which is really interesting to me since that is the seat of power for the Jedi. Um, it that just implies to me that Qui-Gon Jinn was always bound to the Jedi in that way. He was always meant to be a Jedi, and even so far as to be born on the same planet where they keep their temple. You know, they didn't have to go far to find him. No. He would have been, like, in their backyard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just kind of, you know, like, teeny tiny Qui-Gon Jinn just toddles on up, <laughs> walks up all those stairs. <laughs> that would be a weird place to grow up, like, because, mm-hmm. well, I guess norm the kids in the Jedi Order don't have a normal childhood because they get brought in so young. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, what I think is interesting about uh, Qui-Gon's backstory is the idea that he um, had other apprentices before Obi-Wan. Oh, really? uh, yeah, these these apprentices were explored in Legends. Uh, again, these are no longer canon, but to me, I don't think we can dismiss them completely, kind of like I was saying before, because just uh, given Qui-Gon's age and given his character, he must have had other apprentices. He was in his late 40s when he met Obi-Wan Kenobi and began training him. And so for Qui-Gon to already be a Jedi Master in his late 40s, and taking on this apprentice, he he must have had other apprentices. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just, you know, that's just how the Jedi Council works, isn't it? You have to like, be, prove they... yourself before you're given mm-hmm. the title of master, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And part of becoming a master is you have to train an apprentice. And I, and I just don't see o- o Qui-Gon Jinn making it all the way to his late 40s before he decides he's going to take on his very first apprentice. Like, yeah, it, it appears that they didn't really have a choice of when they took out the first apprentice as well. Like Yoda just assigns Anakin to Ahsoka, or Ahsoka to Anakin mm-hmm. um, without necessarily his approval. So, yeah, yeah, that's I, I don't love that decision on Yoda's behalf, but uh, I guess that's a discussion for another time. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Uh, I was just so many, so many issues with Yoda <laughs> in in the pre in the prequels. He makes a lot of questionable decisions, but uh, but we're here to talk about Qui-Gon. Okay. Yep. So, who were the, his other apprentices before Obi-Wan? Well, his very first apprentice was a, was a man named uh, Femor, who is human, and we don't find out much about him except that he was completely acceptable, and he be- was, in fact, knighted under Qui-Gon's tutelage. And um, 
and that's kind of it. He's only really used in one comic and then completely dismissed. So, fare thee well, young Fimor. I hope, I hope you survived Order sixty seven. <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> Not likely. But then his second apprentice was much more interesting, if only because there's a lot more drama surrounding it. Uh, that apprentice was named Xanatos. I mean, you're kind of condemning that kid when you name him Xanatos. That just sounds like an evil name. That name totally uh, makes me think of G.I. Joe. Oh, man. It makes me think of the Gargoyles animated series from Disney back in the day. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. It had yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes and... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like half the cast of uh, Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> Next generation. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the bad guy on there was called Xanatos, and so like I'm picturing him studying under Qui-Gon Jinn. They both have beard. <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> Enough beard talk for one podcast. Uh, but uh, but Xanatos was cool because uh, he was the son of um, royalty. You know, he was born to a noble family, but then given to the Jedi. And when he came of age and he found out that he was, in fact, born to a royal family, kind of like Dooku, he just kind of went, hmm, that's interesting. Going to keep that in my back pocket. Um, and then when war broke out on his home planet, the Jedi Council made the amazing decision to send Qui-Gon and Xanatos to settle the dispute. And Xanatos, uh, when his father died at uh, Qui-Gon Jinn's you know, hand, Xanatos decided, you know what? I don't want to be a Jedi anymore. I want to be a king. And Qui-Gon was like, well, all right. <laughs> See you later, I guess. So he lost his second Padawan? He lost his second Padawan, you know, to uh, to greed and you know the dark side, all that, all that unpleasantness, and it was a really bad breakup because uh, you know it, Xanatos wouldn't have left if Qui Gon hadn't you know killed uh, his father in the, you know, in the dispute in the scuffle. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Qui Gon went in wanting to you know kill this guy, but you know it happened, and then Xanatos was heir apparent, even though he uh, you know was trained as a Jedi. You know, of course, they never forgot who who their heir was, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Xanatos decided to walk away. He was never knighted and, uh, you know, instead took that up and um, used his, his Jedi powers, you know, his Jedi training for not great things. And eventually, uh, you know, he fell to the dark side and ultimately died. And that's really sad. Oh, Xanatos. Oh, but the foreshadowing. Yeah, right. And well, I think I think it's it's very interesting that Qui-Gon was able to let his apprentice go. I mean, of course, you know, Jedi have a free will. They can walk away. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Xanatos was never knighted, so walking away wasn't as dramatic as it would have been for, you know, say, Dooku to walk away, you know, a master to walk away from the Order. That's That's kind of more intense. Yeah. Then a young man deciding, you know, he wants to go back to his home planet. Uh, but it is it is uh, a, a personal betrayal because Qui-Gon decided to, to teach this young man and this young man turned away from him. Um, but I think that is part of Qui-Gon's character is that if somebody makes a decision for themselves and wants to follow their heart, basically, Qui-Gon won't stand in the way. He won't fight you on that. Because you know he himself is always listening to the willing to the living force, and he, you know, he says to Obi Wan, "I, I will do what I must, Obi Wan." I, now, see, 
I think Qui-Gon Jinn doesn't like to play by the rules. He makes his own rules, and mm-hmm. we'll get into this a lot uh, when we start talking about the Phantom Menace. Um, but when I was taking notes, it's just there are so many inst- circumstances where he really his morality about how he does things seems a little questionable. It, it doesn't seem like he's the straight and narrow uh, play-by-the-rules Jedi. Like mm-hmm. He uses the Force to make his own luck with the Chance Cube. Um, mm-hmm. He is more than willing to use the Jedi mind trick to get his way with Boss Nass and with Watto. Like, he he's he's kind of a little shady <laughs> <laughs> um and it, it, when he, when obi-wan is talking to qui-gon on the uh balcony or whatever obi-wan's pleading with him that he would be a on the council if he would just listen to the council and like play by the rules you know what i mean but mm-hmm. he's like, I, I'm going to do what I have to do. Well, yeah, because I, I don't think sitting on the council really means all that much to him. Like, the idea of prestige, the idea of titles. Qui-Gon doesn't really care about all of that because it... I don't know, living for someone else's glory, that that's not really Qui-Gon's game. He, he uh, is more personally fulfilled. You know, he, he wants to do what's going to feel right to him and give himself that, that personal, you know, sense of success and sense of achievement, you know, instead of doing what somebody else wants so that they'll bestow a title on him or grant him a seat on the council, he's going to do what feels right to him. Right. He definitely isn't playing to seek Mm -hmm. approval of any of the Jedi council or other members of the Jedi order. Yeah, he's torn, I think, many times between what feels right to him and what the council wants from him. You know, if he would follow the code, he would be on the council, which to me says if he would do something that feels wrong to him, he would then be, in a sense, rewarded with a seat on the council because he followed the code. Right. You know, if, if the, the force, if his instincts are telling him to do one thing and his code is telling him to do another thing, he follows what feels right. He goes for the emotional satisfaction. Uh, but, you know, because he went that way instead of following the code, he is then, you know, denied a seat on the council. And it just kind of seems obvious. Well, of course, you should do what feels right to you and not what somebody else tells you is right. And that's so smart of Qui-Gon, honestly. You know, when everybody around him is telling him something's wrong, but he's doing what he knows feels right. Uh, and, and, and he's totally fine not having the prestige, not having all the proper titles and the recognition that other Jedi would search for, because that's ultimately what Anakin's downfall is, isn't it? He, he's like, wait, to sit on the council and not be a master, that's an insult. But right. Qui-Gon wouldn't be insulted. Qui-Gon wouldn't care, you know? Yeah, like, it seems like Qui-Gon wants to be true to himself instead of Mm -hmm. uh, seeking the glory of others. Like, he'd rather be true to what the living force is leading him to. Um, He does Mm -hmm. make a lot of adjustments in accepting change very well. 
um, he changes what his mission is uh, because the circumstances present to him uh, differently. And so, like, he, se- he does seem to be willing to to listen and to be in tune with what uh, the living force is presenting, uh, like, a path for him to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. Well, this was, yeah, that was an, uh, an angle explored in the Jedi Apprentice novels that I grew up with. Yeah. All of those books are legends now, but like again what I was saying before, um they they still give us an idea of what Qui-Gon's character is supposed to be about. And uh Xanatos comes up in these novels and this idea that Qui-Gon is willing to let his apprentices go if if they're following their hearts essentially. This comes up uh with Obi-Wan in fact. There's uh, a book in this series it's actually it's it's a whole arc. It follows like uh, three or four of these novels, where um, Obi Wan and Qui Gon are sent to actually to find another pair of Jedi, a, a, a master who went to go settle a dispute, but then didn't come back. And it turns out she's been taken captive. And in fact, she when they get there, they find out she's been blinded, like she's been held prisoner and tortured, and has lost her sight. It's really quite sad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, another like, blind Jedi. <laughs> another blind Jedi. Yep. Though you know, she was one of the first because yeah. this is like twenty years ago when uh, this was written. I understand. It just seems <laughs> you know. like a trend recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. You uh, this this Jedi. Her name was Tall, and the moment you declare Tall Legends, that opens up Kanan, right? To to do it for real in canon, right? Right. right. <laughs> it's like, well, he's not copying Tall because Tall doesn't exist anymore. She's a legend. Right. Um, but in any case, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, they're looking for Tall, and they kind of get uh, caught up in this whole uh, you know, war going on in the planet. And Obi-Wan really wants to help the, the youth movement here, <laughs> which is such a, I know it's, it's like a young adult novel kind of thing, and that's what these Jedi Apprentice books were. They were made for children. But they, they get to this uh, war-torn planet, and of course there's lots of war orphans, and there's lots of you know kids that... They, they want to help, they want to fight back, so they kind of form a, a big, you know, <laughs> youth revolution. <laughs> and and Obi-Wan is moved by their plight, and he really wants to help them, but Qui-Gon is like, well, no, we can't, we can't force a resolution, you know, we can't, we can't, we're, we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers, right? Right. At least <laughs> that know, was the like, story back then. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it's it's good that you want to help, and we can help where we can, but we can't just go in and, you know, force a change because as soon as we leave, that, that change is going to dissolve. You know, people have to figure things out for themselves and want peace for that peace to last. You know, peace can only be achieved if both sides want it. And and furthermore, their, their mission is to save Tall. So once they find her, once you know they're able to to bring her back to their ship, they're going to take off. And Obi Wan's saying, "No, I, I have to stay. I you know want to help the people here." And Qui Gon's like, "Well, I have to go. And if you want to stay, that's your choice." And Qui Gon allows allows Obi Wan to walk away. And it's it's so sad because it's implied in in the end of that book because uh, Obi Wan in fact gives his lightsaber to Qui Gon Jinn. You know, he's like, this is something I'm willing to fight for, and I'm willing to die for it. So it's kind of implied that Obi-Wan's walking away from the Jedi Order. He's, 
you know, he's found something he just can't walk away from. And Qui-Gon lets him. And he it wasn't stop. Satine? No, but it wasn't Satine. Satine didn't exist when they were writing these books. <laughs> it's kind of funny uh, that they put him in that situation because mm-hmm. it is such a parallel to the beginning of The Phantom Menace when they're brought in to negotiate a peace between mm-hmm. the Trade Federation and the Naboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, um, uh, of course, you know, these, these books, they walk back that decision. Obi-Wan ultimately regrets walking away from the Jedi. And when he comes back, he's, you know, completely committed. He's like, I, I know what it means now to walk away. And now I know what it means to, to truly want to be a Jedi again. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I think it's really cool that that Qui-Gon is able to understand, you know, the difference between forcing a resolution and allowing a resolution to grow naturally. Because like you were saying, with the Gungans and the Naboo, um, or with uh, the Trade Federation, you know, they're not there to... uh, (laughs) uh, Qui-Gon says to Obi-Wan, you know, we have to let the Queen do this herself, right? When when she goes to, to ally with the Gungans, you know, he says we cannot use our powers to help her because if they just force tricked the Gungans and the Naboo into getting along, that's not lasting peace, right? Yeah. But when the Gungans and the Naboo work this out themselves and figure this out for themselves, that's a lasting peace. And that was something that Qui-Gon had figured out for a long time and I think was trying to teach to Obi-Wan and eventually Obi-Wan gets there. <laughs> um, I think it would have been better if, if Obi-Wan had got there before he was given Anakin to train. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, they were put into a tight situation where Mm -hmm. they had to find a master for Anakin like right away because he was already behind the eight ball, like late getting Mm -hmm. like beginning his training, let alone. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. No, it was definitely an impossible situation. But I just I wonder if Qui-Gon would have been able to to kind of temper Anakin's need to fix everything. You know, when Anakin's a kid, he says that he has a dream that he comes back and frees all the slaves. But Qui-Gon knows that he can't just free all these slaves. <laughs> you know, he, he can't solve all the galaxy's problems. He and furthermore, in that exact situation, he's there to protect the queen and to get her safely to Coruscant. You know, and and Anakin can never really see that bigger picture and detach himself in that way. His his desire to help is a good thing. Um, and I think Qui-Gon would have been able to say, yes, you have good desires here. You, your need to help is good. But Anakin, you can't fix everything. And so he would have given Anakin that perspective, but also allowed Anakin the freedom to kind of follow his heart if there was something he really, really cared about. The same way we saw in the Jedi Apprentice novels, how Qui-Gon was able to let Obi-Wan go off on his own and figure things out. Or he was he able to let Xanatos go off and figure things out. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> you know, in the case of Obi-Wan and Xanatos. Well, but, mm-hmm. like, if you... There's a saying that if you love someone, you set them free, and if they return, they love you back. But if they don't, then, mm-hmm. like, that's their choice. But well, the, wasn't letting, that them, one of, letting mm-hmm. them go is an act of love. 
wasn't that one of you know Anakin's big complaints about Obi Wan as a teacher? You know, he's holding me back. He says that a lot. You know, in Anakin attack. feels he's ready for the yeah, in Attack of the Clones. Anakin feels he's ready for the trials, but Obi Wan won't let him. I feel like Qui Gon would have given uh, Anakin more of that freedom. And I, I also wonder, do you think Anakin would have felt comfortable enough with Qui Gon? Uh, to talk about his feelings for Padme and that Qui-Gon would have allowed him to explore those feelings a little bit and then walk away from the Jedi Order if his feelings for Padme were so were that strong? Huh. Um, okay, I have a couple of thoughts. I think... Sure. I think Obi-Wan isn't a very mature parent or like mentor so when kids get older um they really really want to stretch their wings and they want to be able to make mistakes on their own and if you don't give them enough rope to make those mistakes uh, they're gonna fight you really bad so i think that what Anakin was trying to say in Attack of the Clones is he's not getting enough rope to make risks and to to stretch to see what he can do. Like, that's, that's one of the things, as we get older and we become our own people, like, we want to test our own moxie to see what we're made of and to see what we can accomplish on our own without our parents. So to be held back and not be able to stretch our wings is, is very stifling. Um, and it doesn't help us to grow. I, so I, th I think Obi-Wan was afraid of the power that Anakin had because Anakin was so gifted in the Force, like his midichlorian count and his piloting skills. He was just yeah. kind of uh, intimidated mm -hmm. by the power, and so he feared what, like... Mm -hmm. the, the, if you fear something, you, you want to try to control it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you want to try to limit to set boundaries so that it stays safe. But if mm -hmm. you're, if you're trusting and if you let it go, then things can happen both good and bad. And you have to have like a trust thing. I feel like, Qui-Gon probably did have that trust with, with Obi-Wan at least. Um, it's implied in the Clone Wars that Obi-Wan had the freedom to kind of explore his feelings for Satine. And as he said, if Satine had asked him, he would have walked away from the Jedi Order for her. Yeah. Which, it, which implies that they at least had some amount of privacy and some amount of freedom to figure out, wow, we really do like each other. And I I don't think Qui-Gon was hovering over them every single second. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> why know? the Mandalorian mm -hmm. story is so awesome, and we need to see that at some point. Um, because mm -hmm. to see Qui-Gon give uh, Obi-Wan enough room to figure that stuff out on his own, like, that would be pretty powerful. Like, a different well, then, type of mentor that we haven't yeah. really seen. Well, then, it also it kind of affirms why Obi-Wan is then so dedicated to the order because he knows that this is his choice. He was given that freedom 
to explore those feelings and he chose to walk away from them. He chose the Jedi life instead. You know, he, he absolutely could have walked away from the order if he had wanted to, but he chose not to, which that just cements his decision. It cements that, yes, this is not the life I was born into. I wasn't given, he was given to the Jedi as a child, but now as a man, he chooses to walk this path. I think I, mm -hmm. I I wonder if Anakin was felt very differently. He wasn't given that kind of freedom and didn't feel like he he was allowed to make his own decisions. So he tried to have it both ways. He tried to be married to Padme in secret, but then also be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think Obi Wan didn't choose the Jedi Order. He he, like Satine never said anything. Like had she said a word, he would have quit. So his heart was for Satine in that relationship. From what I read into the stories so Hmm. if Satine had said a word he would have quit but she didn't say the word so therefore he had no choice but to go back to the Jedi Order because the life with Satine didn't work don't don't put that on her I feel like you know he could have equally have said something absolutely he has responsibility yeah yeah like exactly um what he was saying when he told her if you had asked, I would have walked away from you. He wasn't saying you didn't ask, so I didn't walk away. Like, I, I think it was they both knew what they had was special, but they, they also knew that what they had to do was more important. You know, their their roles, her role as Duchess and his role as a knight was more important than what they were feeling, and so. They both let it go unsaid. They both knew what they wanted to say. They both knew what they could have, but they let it go unsaid. So they committed to the mission. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you did ask, (laughs) um, if I think Mm -hmm. that Anakin would have trusted his emotions with Qui Gon. Mm -hmm. Um, probably. Because, because Mm -hmm. I think. Qui-Gon would have given Anakin more space. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like in general, uh, Anakin would have, have felt more open and honest with Qui-Gon. Uh, just you, you can see it in the way Qui-Gon and Anakin interact in the Phantom Menace. Uh, Qui-Gon's very patient with him, you know, willing to talk to him, and uh, Anakin is willing to ask him questions and you know be humble and even scared in front of him you know he, he's you know Qui-Gon sir I don't want to be a problem you know stuff like that yeah it's very sweet the way Anakin and Obi-Wan Anakin and Qui-Gon are together in that movie and so I feel like if uh, you know Qui-Gon had lived and then 10 years go by <laughs> and Anakin's like oh I just saw Padme again for the first time and I think I really want to go kiss her <laughs> like you know, he would have felt comfortable enough with Qui-Gon to talk that out and be honest about his emotions. Uh, I'm not trying to put Obi-Wan down in any way or diminish the relationship that Obi-Wan and, and Anakin have. I just think uh, it, it speaks well of Qui-Gon's character that he was able to kind of build up something more fatherly with Anakin and and show Anakin that respect and that trust. I even wonder, now this is also going a bit far, but do you feel like if 
you know, things had gone wrong somehow, you know, uh, Anakin goes out to, to find Shmi and, oh, no, he can't save her. And in his anger, he kills a whole bunch of Tuscans. Would he have told Qui-Gon about it, even though he didn't tell Obi-Wan? No. You don't think he would have told Qui-Gon? He wouldn't have felt open enough to tell Qui-Gon about that? No, because at that point he had known enough of what a Jedi is supposed to be. Oh, so he wouldn't have done it in the first place? <laughs> no, no. Like, I think he still would have done it, but I think he still would have hidden. Um, he would still would have had, I guess, what they call, like, shame, basically, of sure. um, well, he opened doing up something. Well, about it. Yeah. I yeah, don't know why that is. <laughs> well, because it was because Anakin ultimately wants to share these things and wants to talk to people about it. He he does ultimately crack and tell Palpatine about it. That's how desperate Anakin was for human connection. And, yeah. you know, well, that that's part of Anakin's downfall is that he doesn't feel like he can talk to anybody about these problems and these bad feelings that he has. Because if he goes to Obi-Wan or he goes to anybody on the Jedi Council, they're going to say, well, a Jedi shouldn't even be that angry all the time. You know, he Anakin never feels like he can be honest with any of them because they'll just say, oh, well, a Jedi is not supposed to have those feelings in the first place. You know, that's something that Anakin brings up over and over again. He's like, I want more, but I know I shouldn't. I have nightmares, but Jedi don't have nightmares. He, said, you know, admonishes himself over and over again for just being human. And I wonder if Qui-Gon was still around, maybe he wouldn't have had that fear or at the very least instead of telling palpatine about it about the tuscans he would have eventually turned to qui-gon and and i think tell me what you think about this i feel like qui-gon would have been like okay that's bad but we can work we can work through this we can there are, we can walk this back <laughs> there are healthy ways to deal with emotions and i think that qui-gon is he's He's open to think of things outside the box. So, mm -hmm. like, even if the Jedi Order said, you can't deal with these emotions in this way, like, or it's mm -hmm. unnatural to have this kind of attachment or love, I, I think that he's willing to look at things in, in a different way that thinks of things outside of the box and is he's accepted a larger world. Um, mm -hmm. So he's able to deal with things differently. Mm -hmm. I think they made him 60 years old for a reason. Um, oh, because he's so wise, yeah. Like, because, like the fatherly thing is definitely kind of ingrained in, in who he, he is. Like, he has wisdom and not, like... He, because Obi-Wan's so young and just barely... Uh, he's not even done the Jedi Knight Trials. Mm -hmm. um, he's kind of ill-equipped to to train a, a padawan because he's kind of young and still wet behind the ears if you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah um gosh yeah i think i think that is part of my my love for for qui-gon is that he is so fatherly he's just so sweet he he really is like the father i think that anakin always wanted of course you know a a family doesn't need a dad, <laughs> you know, uh, Shmi and, and Anakin were a family all on their own. But I think when, when Qui-Gon walked in, a part of Anakin went, Oh, I really like this. <laughs> I really like having this dad around. 
I think dads say, are pretty cool. I might be a well, little oh, biased. Yeah. <laughs> just that, you know, that scene with uh, Shmi and, and Qui-Gon Anakin and Padme and Jar Jar <laughs> all sitting down to have dinner. I, I think uh, for Anakin, that was a, a family moment. And for him, that was like, you know, sitting next to his dad at the table. Yeah, I mean, that's my family sits around the dinner table and has dinner together nearly every Aww. night so it's Aww. it's just mm-hmm. kind of a special thing of talking over food and once again breaking bread and just building relationships together um mm-hmm. do you think that we kind of talked about this before mm-hmm. the Qui-Gon Shmi ship <laughs> I think if Shmi wants to get it with uh with a very attractive Liam Neeson with gray in his hair. If she wants that, more power to her. Like, okay. go get it, Shmi. I um, uh, I feel like they they do share some very tender, very compassionate moments, but maybe those are just two humans being compassionate and kind to one another. Sure. Or or it could be more if if that's what Shmi wanted. <laughs> go for it, Shmi. Like, right. yep. Like, um, I, I do feel like through that movie, Shmi very much sees a goodness and a trustworthiness in Qui-Gon because she kind of is, like, through all their interactions going, can you take my son? Can you can you look after him? You know, she's, like, almost begging Qui-Gon to, to rescue her boy because she wants so much more for him. Like, he, Which, she, uh, she mm-hmm. sees all this potential that he's not really tapping into as a mm-hmm. slave. Yeah, exactly. And, um... You know, also, presumably, Qui-Gon wouldn't make Anakin race <laughs> these really dangerous pod racers. Right. Oh, man. I I think that also speaks very well of Qui-Gon, that Shmi trusts him. I mean, first she trusts him with, uh, with her story, saying there was no father. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's incredible that Shmi was able to open up to Qui-Gon like that, because I don't think that is something she would share very easily. Because uh, most people would probably tell her that she's crazy or that she's making it up. But she comes to Qui-Gon with that honesty and he believes her, which is so, so sweet. Qui-Gon, you big softy. (laughs) (laughs) And then and then later, you know, when she just asks him, you know, can you help him? Stuff like that. She she really it speaks well of Qui-Gon that that Shmi would look at him and think, yes, this is. This is someone who will take care of my son. You know, Anakin is Shmi's whole world. Everything, everything she does is is to keep him safe and to you know raise him and you know be good to him. And and she's willing to to entrust Qui Gon with his care. That's that speaks really well of Qui Gon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely when you entrust. Mm-hmm. someone with your child that that's that's a great deal step uh in faith where you're 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 you're, you're extending a lot of trust to them them to care for a child that's for sure mm-hmm. uh i want to talk a little bit yeah about you brought up earlier how qui-gon kind of makes his own luck and he he's willing to mind trick a few people to get his way or to fiddle with the chance cube to get his way uh-huh um, to me, I think that can exist. 
this is what makes Qui-Gon such a fascinating character because he he is a guy who understands we can't force a resolution. We can negotiate and we can help move things along, but we can't force the Naboo and the Gungans to get along because that's not a lasting peace. But at the same time, if it kind of helps things move along the way he wants it to, he is not at all above doing a mind trick, which I don't think I don't think these are necessarily contradictory. What what do you think though? I think it's mm-hmm. a compromise on morality. Like the Jedi mind tricks were supposed to be used on the weak minded. It it's an insult to use a Jedi mind trick on someone, I think, because basically you're saying they're not intelligent enough to resist. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of disrespectful from what I gather to just get what you want. And I, sure. I, I don't necessarily think that that's a great thing. Well, I think it, hmm, I'm not sure. He, he does, uh, he does do it on people that are being very difficult with him almost for no reason you know boss nass seems to kind of be holding him up just just to hold him up and just Mm -hmm. to stick it to the naboo which is like you think you're hurting the naboo by keeping me here but really that's that's entirely in boss nass's head he thinks he thinks he's you know insulting the naboo by delaying qui-gon but really that's that's not at all what's happening so obi-wan sorry qui-gon just kind of bypasses all of Boss Nass's, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> kind of red tape. delusions. Yeah, all that red tape, all that, you know, bluster, really. Bluster, I think, is the word I'm looking for. You know, grandeur, where he thinks, you know, oh, I'm really going to stick it to the, <laughs> to, to the Naboo by delaying this, you know, this guy. And Qui-Gon's like, I, I really don't have time for that, buddy. <laughs> like... <laughs> Can we it's, just get to skip this part and get to the end where I mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then with Watto too, Watto says, "How are you going to pay for all this?" Now think about it this way: Qui Gon Jinn could be all like, "No, you're just going to give it to me. You know, you're just going to give me these parts for free." Or he has a laser sword; he could cut Watto down and just take the parts he needs, or somehow find a way to steal them. Yeah, but. Instead, he's like, no, I have money. You will accept this payment. You know, he, he's not asking for something for free here. I th- you know, he's just like, again, he's just kind of trying to move past what seemed to him, I think, like arbitrary roadblocks. You know, I don't I don't think he's he's doing anything necessarily um, earth shattering. You know, he's not terribly forcing anything with these mind tricks the way it would be. Uh, uh, where where it's like oh, okay well you're you're going to uh, sign a treaty with the with the Naboo and help the Naboo that that would be I think too much but just kind of nudging things in the right direction I think it is in character for Qui Gon and and I don't I do understand where you're coming from where you you say you feel like it's it's insulting but I I feel like they insulted him first <laughs> in a way. <sighs> Yeah, okay. By not listening to him and accepting what he had to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I it is contentious. I I do understand uh people that that particular cr- criticism of Qui-Gon. But I guess in the mm-hmm. world they have set it up where the Jedi do use mind tricks. I mean, Obi-Wan used it in A New Hope with the stormtroopers to get through 
the roadblock or whatever that well, these I mean, aren't that's the also droids. The movie. Yeah, these aren't the droids you're looking for. But that's also the movie where he's his most Qui-Gon-esque. So it kind of makes sense that he's a little more free with the Force tricks in that one. Yeah. Well, and, and also, you know, you want to go home and rethink your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't want to sell me death sticks. <laughs> I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. <laughs> well, like, um, uh, and then the you bring up the chance cube. Uh-huh. And, and again, I feel like Watto insulted him first by saying, blue the boy, red his mother, and five of the six sides are red. Like, you know, Watto is so obviously stacking the odds in his own favor and kind of insulting Qui-Gon a bit here. Is that true? Is like, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, Look at the chance cube. It's five sides are red and one side's five, blue? Yeah, five sides are red and one side's blue. And he's like, let's let fate decide. And it's like, Watto, Watto. Like, so, of course, Qui-Gon guides it, you know, I and, I mean, yeah, you say it's it's insulting, but, I mean, Watto kind of insulted him first <laughs> by being like, let's let fate decide where <laughs> you only have one chance <laughs> to for it to be the one you want. Sure. And I'm just kind of like, no, this is a Jedi. <laughs> if you're going to play it like that, of course, he's going to he's going to guide the cube. <laughs> I don't know. I just really like it. Maybe it's because I saw Phantom, you know, for the first time when I was a kid, and I just thought that was so clever of Qui Gon to kind of to kind of be like, all right, if you want to throw the chance cube, I mean, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna guide the chance cube. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I just I think that he's not willing. He's willing to step outside the the rule book. Like, mm -hmm. he's not gonna be. Can, like you're not going to be able to put him in a box and contain him like he wants to be his own person he wants to follow the living force and um to adjust to what circumstances present to him but mm -hmm. if you're going to create an obstacle he's going to find a solution around it you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah exactly well um i mean and also his focus is so on anakin he he understands that he's been brought to this boy for a reason and this boy has been put in his past for a reason. And I don't think he was going to let something as trivial as a weighted or not weighted, but you know, skewed chance cube get in his way. Yeah. You know, like if, if, if this whole plan fell apart because Watto, you know, he let Watto throw a clearly, you know, <laughs> cheated die. Mm -hmm. That's no, Qui-Gon's not going to stand for that. That's, that's not how Qui-Gon plays. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Do you feel like we should talk a little bit about Qui-Gon, uh, his uh, appearances in um, the animated series? And I would love to, but first sure. I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, some of his teachings in The Phantom sure. Menace. Yeah. Specifically, like, we were talking about focus and mm -hmm. uh, he, he – uh, Qui-Gon said that your focus determines your re reality. I think that he walked that out really well in The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. um, because you can tell that he was focused on doing what he felt was right for him. Um, and yeah. trying to do right by Anakin. Um, do you, would you agree with that? Oh yeah, certainly. He... Um... 
Yeah, he... Ah, just that whole line with your focus determines your reality. That's such a... That's such a good summary, I think, for the rest of the saga. Because you look at all these characters who you know, are, are driven by a singular focus and that focus becomes their whole world. Like mm-hmm. even Jen Erso, mm-hmm. you know, a character who wouldn't be written for another 20 years, you know, when she is focused on being nobody on being Liana Halleck, being anybody except Jen Erso, that is her reality. And the moment she becomes focused on hope and on the rebellion and the cause and getting the job done, that becomes her reality. And she's able to to carry that through and to see it done. Like, And yeah, I think Qui-Gon Jinn, he was trying to give Anakin some genuine advice for the future. And, and I really, just really, really wish Qui-Gon had been around to guide Anakin. <laughs> yeah. Duel the fates. Well, Duel the fates. He <laughs> lost. Did show up. He lost. Uh, yeah, he sure did. <laughs> he sure did. I mean, we all <sighs> lost, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but oh. uh, and and mm-hmm. the other part, like, mm-hmm. the, your focus determines your reality. In the duel of the fates, when he meditates, is so Qui Gon. Because he once again gets focused and gets centered about what's important in the moment and what the moment, um, what the significance of the moment is going to be. Like, he he meditates in that moment of peace and mm-hmm. finds peace um, just before Gosh, he dies. Yeah, yeah so, I like, love that moment. That's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about that a few times. Yeah, uh, it's a good one. It's a good one where he just, you know, the blast doors come up. Not the blast doors, the ray shields come up. And and it's just this moment of, well, the, the battle's over. I can't strike you and you can't strike me. So what's true in this moment is that I'm safe. And so he just falls to his knees and that's oh, so good. <laughs> I think uh, that Qui-Gon... Mm-hmm was a little bit advanced. I mean, he was advanced in his relationship with the force and that is proven Mm -hmm. correct later on in the animated series of the clone wars. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder, I really do wonder how much of that came from, from Dooku and how much of that just came from just Qui-Gon as a person, you know, being open of mind like that. I, I feel like Qui-Gon is a character that needs embellishing. It needs further exploration in, in expanded media, you know, in comics and stuff like that. He's a character that really needs to be expanded and explored, you know, and uh, how do we how do we really pull apart what it means to be this guy that is so inquisitive about the Force and open-minded about the Force and, you know, where exactly did that come from and, you know, what... What were the limits of that? What were the downfalls of that? You know, was he always okay with being so at odds with the council? I just, I want more Qui-Gon love. (laughs) I think a lot of that came from Dooku. Like, as a, I mean, if you look at Dooku as a person, he's a person that left the Jedi Order because he didn't agree with what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that he would have instilled thinking 
for yourself as a key principle in his yeah. training of Qui-Gon. And mm -hmm. so that's why I think Qui-Gon is so willing to step outside of the box and consider something different um, yeah. is because well, he's wonder, a Padawan of Dooku. Yeah, I wonder, though, how it could have gone so right for Qui-Gon and so wrong for Dooku then if Dooku really was the foundation for Qui-Gon becoming who he needed to be. And, again, I feel so strongly that Qui-Gon is kind of the ideal Jedi. He's what a Jedi should be, you know, in, in tune with the force and more, more observant of the living force than of the code. And in a way, in a lot of ways, Qui-Gon is in episode one, what Obi-Wan needs to be by episode four. Right. And so then if, if a lot of that comes back to Dooku and his teachings, I, again, I really want to dive into and pull apart how it could have gone so right for the apprentice and so very wrong for the master. There's a simple I, um, solution. The yeah. Phantom Menace is involved yes. with Dooku. <laughs> like Palpatine, the puppet master, yeah. is mm -hmm. working on Dooku the same way he worked on Anakin. Mm -hmm. um, Palpatine well, is but... a bad influence. <laughs> Yeah, I I'm pretty sure there were a couple uh, a couple of times where Palpatine uh, crossed paths with Qui Gon. In fact, uh, Qui Gon crossed paths with uh, Plagueis in the Legends. Again, I just I want to know what it is exactly about Qui Gon that makes him resilient to uh, to to the corruption of of Palpatine and and Plagueis and 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 their ilk. Like um, I don't know. He's just he's so cool and fascinating. I think Qui-Gon is what a Jedi should be, and, and we need to, to look more at, at what that means. Yeah. Can I mm -hmm. tell you about uh, an epiphany I had with uh, <gasps> the Phantom yes. Menace recently? Yeah. I hope I hope it's flattering. You know how I feel about the Phantom Menace. <laughs> so, you know how I think that Palpatine is the puppet master and is the Phantom Menace, but the mm -hmm. scene with uh, Chancellor Valorum when uh, Padme finally arrives on Coruscant. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at Terrence Stamp in that situation, he Terrence Stamp is a pretty dynamic actor. He can be very um, exuberant and full of life. I don't know if you've seen Superman 2, but he was Zod in... Ah. The dude was uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. out there in that movie. So, like, he can be a – he's a pretty good actor. But in that scene, he's, like, so lifeless and so, like – he looks like a wooden puppet. And so Terrence Stamp in that scene is basically Roxy Hart in Chicago with the uh, We Both Reach for the Gun – scene oh yeah <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about in Sh yeah we both yeah we both we both reached for the gun <laughs> oh yes oh yes oh yes yeah yeah that yeah yeah like he's, he's she's a she's the puppet sitting uh, sitting on, on his lap exactly and and <laughs> i think that terrence stamp is so under the control of palpatine in that scene that's why he looks so lifeless and so like a wooden puppet uh that's just kind of saying terrible things that's not very empathetic or warm mm -hmm. to to padme 
Yeah, because Palpatine's <laughs> pulling his strings. And Palpatine's right there. I mean, he... yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that oh, was the, what I realized when I saw Phantom Menace recently. Yeah. No, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I hadn't really thought of him as a as like a an actual puppet, but that is a good way to think about him because you know everybody in that movie is kind of dancing to Palpatine's tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I I do feel like some of of Valorum's words are his own. You know, when when he tries to give Padme hope, but but you're right in when he like first you know sees Queen Amidala, he is very wooden. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It's it's just, yeah. Yeah. Um. So can we talk about the Clone Wars? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, I um tried to ask a couple questions uh, to Matt Martin who's on the story group about Mortis and (laughs) Mortis is such a hard thing to try to understand as I told Matt like it's like a (laughs) it's like an acid trip on the force is the way I (laughs) phrased it not that I know anything about it but you need like a PhD in Star Wars to like <laughs> begin to unravel it. Well, um, you know what Sam Witwer says anytime people try to ask him about about Mortis, right? No, what? He says, watch them again. That's always <laughs> that's his answer. If you have a question about Mortis, watch them again because you get more out of it every single time and you see things you didn't see every single time and you come up with new questions and new ways of looking at it it's just i don't think there's supposed to be any one straight answer to mortis um again like i've heard sam whitwer talk about it and and the way he talks about it is that it's supposed to be everything that's ever happened in star wars happening all at once Mm -hmm. and yes star wars is very circular like that star wars begins where it ends and ends where it begins you know even the saga itself ends episode three ends where episode four begins you know it the way we were told the story it circled back in on itself and a lot of the themes in star wars come up again and again and a lot of lines are spoken again and in different ways like the way lucas said Mm -hmm. it rhymes you know uh, Star Wars always rhymes with itself. And so if you then take that idea, that theme, and distill it into one arc of the Clone Wars, you have Mortis. Everything that's ever happened in Star Wars is happening at once in Mortis. And so Sam Witwer just had like a lot of things to say about, um, you know, doing the performance of the sun you know, sometimes the son would kind of speak more like Palpatine. Sometimes the uh, son would talk uh, the, the way Maul speaks, you know, because he was at once being every Sith and at once uh, echoing every moment of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so it's so mixed up and, and weird. I don't, I don't think you'll ever get one straight answer. But we do see some Qui-Gon in there. We sure do. <laughs> and th- that's what I, like, so the very mm-hmm. first thing Qui-Gon says to Obi-Wan 
is mm-hmm. um, he asks him, have you done as I have asked? Have you trained the boy? Mm-hmm. And so that seems contradictory to something he says to Yoda in the Yoda arc of the Lost Missions, mm-hmm. where he says, um, where is it? Uh, I exist where there is no future or past. So if mm-hmm. he exists where there is no future or past, why wouldn't he know that Anakin's been trained? Well, it's because he can't he can't know what he didn't know in life. Um, specifically when he says, I exist where there is no future or past. If I recall correctly, it's because Yoda is asking him, do you know who the Sith Lord is? Mm-hmm. And Qui-Gon says, nah. Like, <laughs> because the, the Force ghosts, the Force whatever remnants of Qui-Gon can't know what he didn't know in life. And so he exists yeah where there is no future or past he's only in the present and so i don't i don't think it's entirely contradictory for qui-gon's force ghost to ask questions on mortis because he can't possibly know if if obi-wan trained the boy because that's something he didn't know in life yeah i mean that he 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 wouldn't know that in life matt Mm -hmm. um did give me a response. Oh, yeah? And he, he apparently has been training with Dave Filoni. And oh, he answered okay. my question with a question. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's very Filoni. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And he says, do you really think that it's Qui-Gon on Mortis? Oh, see, yeah, it's supposed to be ambiguous, right? You're supposed to be able to take it any way you want. But I think that is supposed to be actually Qui-Gon because he looks different than the other specters we see on Mortis. He... It is more force ghosty <laughs> and he is more sincere I think than the other than the other apparitions because um, the other apparitions appear solid and they appear they also seem to think they seem to know things that they shouldn't know the vision of Ahsoka knows things she couldn't possibly know and the vision of uh, Shmi Skywalker knows things she shouldn't know <laughs> Yeah, uh, but Qui-Gon shows up and he doesn't know anything. He just knows what he knew in life, and he's dispensing advice and not necessarily, I think, trying to lure Obi-Wan into anything. Um, and, and, yeah, and he doesn't look solid the way the other apparitions do. He looks like a Force ghost. So I think it's supposed to be Qui-Gon, but if you want to, you know, uh, interpret it a different way, it is Mortis, and you can do whatever. <laughs> you can do whatever you want on Mortis. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I do think that um, one of the the next thing Qui Gon says is Obi Wan says, "How are you here?" And Qui Gon says, "I am here because you are here," which is the same thing that Yoda says to Ezra in Star Wars Rebels when he first sees him at the Jedi Temple when they're communicating oh, okay. when he's on Dagobah. Mm-hmm. So that line yeah. is echoed in in Rebels. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, Mortis is every moment happening at once and i did like it how yoda said it to ezra because that implies to me that yoda is still on dagobah and and he hasn't left and the only reason he is in this temple is because ezra is in this temple like ezra brought the vision of yoda here yeah 
And so, and so you can then imply that it's the same with Qui-Gon, like the, the force, whatever of Qui-Gon, the presence of Qui-Gon is only here in this moment with Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan is in this moment. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but then that would also kind of imply that it's not necessarily Qui-Gon, but some part of Qui-Gon that's being brought there. Um, do you, um, mm-hmm. so it's, it, I, I am a little sad that we missed out on the scene in Revenge of the Sith where Yoda first communicate. well, he, he really communicates with Qui-Gon and learns about how Qui-Gon became sort of one with the Force after he pa- he died, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, in his meditation chamber on yeah. Polis Masa or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm a little sad that we lost that scene in in the movie, because mm-hmm. um, I think it would have explained a lot about how Yoda discovered um, the ability to maintain your individuality with the Force after you die. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's a lot more explored in the Yoda arc of the Lost Missions. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So. It is interesting in when Yoda goes to Dagobah that Qui-Gon tells him that he cannot appear to Yoda because he wasn't complete with his training when he passed. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. And that's why yeah, we get the little he... force fireflies, as I call them. <laughs> yeah, he where Qui-Gon isn't quite a ghost. Instead, he's more like a presence and, and a manifestation of light instead of uh, an actual ghost you could see and talk to. I think I think that more than anything is is just kind of a, a band-aid for, oh, well, if Qui-Gon became a Force ghost, how come we didn't see him at the end of Return of the Jedi? Oh, really? You know? Yeah, I think, I think that's the only reason we didn't actually see Force Ghost Qui-Gon, because then too many angry fanboys would be all like, no, you're changing the Star Wars I grew up with. If Qui-Gon was a Force Ghost, he would have been there with Yoda and Obi-Wan and Anakin. Like, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah. Which, it's it's fine, you know, the way it is. I, I you know, fine, Qui-Gon's training was incomplete, so he can't become an actual Force Ghost, but, you know, it's... He still fulfills all the functions of a force ghost. He dispenses advice and guides people, and so that's that's totally fine with me. I don't have to necessarily see him to uh, to appreciate what he became after death. Were you surprised that they can influence like matter in the real world after their force ghost? Like when Yoda is meditating in his chamber. Um, mm-hmm he blows out candles i believe if i'm not mistaken uh yeah yeah the well, the, the candles go out i'm i'm trying to remember that episode and i'm picturing the scene that you're talking about i mean it could have just like yoda could have done that like subconsciously cuz you know yoda has magic powers too he could have done that <laughs> okay <laughs> but maybe yeah maybe maybe that was qui-gon somehow you know his his force presence uh, blowing out the candles. I don't know. I sure why not? Force ghosts want to turn off all the lights and haunt me. <laughs> That's fine. That can be in Star Wars. That can be canon. <laughs> well, there are some versions of Star Wars where, like, force ghosts would actually be involved in the saber dueling. 
Oh, that might but be they, a little much. They, they took that part out. Like, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily need to see the ghosts like hand to hand combat. Yeah. with the ghosts. That no, that's fine. I don't like that either. <laughs> so I no, hope they I don't, don't go it. there. Yeah, we uh, let's see. I have one. I have one more question I want to ask you, but I only want to do it when we're starting to wrap up. Okay, I think we're there. I think we're there. Yeah, it's been a good talk about Qui-Gon. So to kind of wrap up the Qui-Gon conversation, I want to ask you um, a little bit of backstory. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the original drafts for The Phantom Menace, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn only appeared at the end of the movie to die. (laughs) Basically, he would show up uh, to help Obi-Wan, you know, with uh, basically delivering the queen safely back to Naboo, like uh, Obi-Wan meets up with him on Coruscant and then uh, Qui-Gon goes with him back to Naboo and then there's Duel of the Fates and Qui-Gon dies. But when Liam Neeson was cast, uh, George Lucas decided to beef up Qui-Gon's character and, you know, made him the the central the central Jedi and the, the guy that finds Anakin instead of Obi-Wan. Now, a lot of people have complained about this in retrospect. You know, when, when people asked how they would, quote-unquote, fix the prequels, they say that they would drop Qui-Gon altogether and have this be firmly Obi-Wan's trilogy. You know, he finds Anakin. It's entirely about his connection with uh, Anakin, and Qui-Gon only really shows up to die at the, <laughs> at the end of The Phantom Menace, you know, if at all, if we really have to have him then he only shows up to die in the Phantom Menace. Do you, which side of that argument do you fall on? Do you, are you glad that we have a uh, Qui-Gon as it is, or would you have rather seen a prequel trilogy where Qui-Gon was a footnote and Obi-Wan had Qui-Gon's role? Hmm. Tough you, question, you, I know. You are throwing this on me last, like without warning. So just yeah. to no, let I don't, everyone... I don't... I don't come up here with softballs. Mm-mm. Okay. No. Nah. <laughs> um, I think it's better to have the contrast of Qui-Gon versus Obi-Wan. I'm, I'm glad that they're... Going through these uh, movies again, like in more detail, <laughs> trying to find themes, I'm seeing things that I didn't necessarily see before. Mm-hmm. Specifically... Jedi training and um, teaching of Padawans. I was so frustrated when I first saw the prequels because I didn't see a lot of quote-unquote Jedi training as I pictured it in my mind because there weren't any 80 montages of Yoda in the swamp. (laughs) You weren't prepared to unlearn what you had learned. Yes, I I was not. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't appreciate a lot of the stuff that is actually in there that is, I guess, more subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like, I like Qui-Gon. I, I like that he thinks outside the box. I like that Obi-Wan has an arc mm-hmm. and it is not perfect. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's kind of flawed. So, yeah, so, no, you... so, so I, I would rather have Qui-Gon. Yeah, just no, you, you say that really well because that's very much how I feel. Uh, of course, I'm biased because I grew up 
absolutely adoring Qui-Gon Jinn and so glad to have him. It, in fact, surprised me when I heard what is really a, a, a common complaint or, or theory that Qui-Gon should have been, uh, you know, cut from the movie altogether and his role given to Obi-Wan. I was really surprised by that because I, I just kind of assumed Qui-Gon was universally loved, right? Because when you're 12, everybody feels the same way you feel, right? Oh, yeah. 12-year-olds <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. know everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so I, I had to think about that for a while and I really, I feel like I understand where people are coming from. Obi-Wan is so beloved. I, I love Obi-Wan too. And I understand the, the need for more of Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship, their, their bromance as it were. I really do understand that desire but kind of as the series stands, the way we have it, I'm like, if if you want more of Obi-Wan and, and Anakin being bros, that's what the Clone Wars are for. Yeah. <laughs> you have a whole series for that. Like, go go enjoy. But as it stands, I, I don't think I would have the heart to cut out Qui-Gon Jinn, especially since I see so much in his character as, as set up for... The rest of Obi-Wan's arc for as someone from for Obi-Wan to learn from and and for Anakin to to aspire to Qui-Gon is this really sad look at at what could have gone right in Anakin's life and, and Obi-Wan's as well and then he's also this echo of what goes right in Luke's life if Obi-Wan does in fact become Qui-Gon Jinn you know starts living Qui-Gon's teachings and starts being more open-minded the way Qui-Gon is, then that is what goes so right about Luke's training versus Anakin's. And so with all of that in mind, I I could not could not cut Obi-Wan out. Even even to give Anakin and, and Obi-Wan more time together, I just couldn't do it. I really love Qui-Gon and I'm glad we have him. Yeah, me too. If mm-hmm. if you are giving me freedom to edit the phantom menace a little bit (gasps) how dare you no (laughs) how would you do it how would you edit it i would cut down the pod race maybe Uh, by half it it is so long and it is drawn out oh i mean it's a full race and there's a lot of stuff that happens but i don't Mm -hmm. think that we needed all of that detail Mm -hmm. i mean it does create world building Mm -hmm. and but it just it drags. Um, and then I would cut down Boss Nass and Captain Tarpole. I think they have the worst lines of the movie. Oh, poor guys. <laughs> I I enjoy them, and I have to admit I love the pod race. For me, I would almost say that the pod race, the pod race is as fun for me as I don't know as as it is watching Lando in in Return of the Jedi you know, do the dogfight and, and the run to the center of the Death Star because, I mean, I know how that's going to end and that takes forever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I, I, think, I think George Lucas's idea was that this pod race was going to be as fun to watch as, as a, you know, starship battle is to watch. And for a lot of people, it is. I know for me, when I was a kid, I had so much more fun with the pod race than I did with any of the dogfights. As I've gotten older, that's kind of flipped. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dogfight in Rogue One is 
that's that was so much fun for me. I couldn't believe how much fun I was having with that space battle. Uh, maybe it's in the way it was shot, or, or maybe it's just I have more of an appreciation for that now. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, when I was a kid, I thought the dogfights were so boring. And if you would ask me, I would have been like, yeah, I cut all that out. You don't need that. Go back to the kid with the lightsaber. Like you know. <laughs> the um, sound design of the pod race is pretty am- amazing, oh, yeah. especially if you get like a full mm-hmm. home theater, like with the subwoofer going. Yeah. Like that's totally. amazing. Um, yeah. And Ben Burt's a genius, but it just drags mm-hmm. on a little bit. No, that's fair. Like as as I'm as I've gotten older, I do see how how it drags. But if you had told eleven year old me that that scene could be cut in half, oh man, she would have fought you so hard. That's she would have like yeah. kicked you in the face, been like, "No, you can't have my pod race." Like, <laughs> I understand. You can kick me in the shins if you if you feel the need. <laughs> yeah, because you're trying to take my pod race away. <laughs> I, t- no, I tell I you, totally... Zoe mm-hmm. loves to watch the pod race. Like we yeah. watch the, uh, it's in the one two Obi one two three book. They mm-hmm. have the all the pod races, all the pods in the pod race. Um, and as soon as she sees that page, page, she's like, "Daddy, let's watch the pod race." Yeah, because she knows oh, that that's I'm like a you. ten minute. Um, yeah cartoon basically yeah. <laughs> i'm telling you the padres phantom menace it's the perfect little star wars gateway drug for your kids <laughs> that's gonna get them into star wars i'm telling you well i think that was a really good conversation about qui-gon i think this would be a good place to wrap it up cool. yeah that sounds great yeah. oh my goodness Brian, this was so much fun uh <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about Qui-Gon Jinn. Me oh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, he's definitely going to come up again. I uh, kind of like Darth Maul. That This is a character that I just come back to and come back to and, and can never stop praising and can never stop picking apart. But, oh, well, let's, let's not, uh, let's not over, overstay. Let's uh, tell people where they can find us. Uh, Brian, where can people find you personally out there on the interwebs? Um, at Balls in Play on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I did want to say that mm-hmm. next week we will be diving into the major themes of Attack of the Clones. Ooh. Ooh. So we're tackling yeah. the next movie. And yeah. we may have a special guest as a <gasps> tease. Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Now, if people want to reach me personally, you can find me at Poe Hot Dameron on Twitter. If you want to tweet at our podcast, maybe follow us and be part of our poll that we do at the beginning of each episode and vote in that. Uh, you can find us at Moon Jockeys Pod on Twitter. Or if you just want to give us your thoughts, maybe tell us what you think of the podcast. Tell us what you think of uh, Attack of the Clones, since that's what we're going to be talking about next week. You can go ahead and shoot us an email at moonjockeyspodcast at gmail.com. And I want to go ahead and ask everybody listening, if you made it this far, oh my gosh, you're amazing. But also, if you would be so kind as to rate us and review us on iTunes. That would be so cool. Yes, it's like it's a really big help, and that would be awesome of you. Like you'd be a really cool hero, and just like Leia, I would drop a muddle around your neck. Except not really. Like just pretend I would do it. 
<laughs> so if you go on iTunes and rate and review us, you say something nice, I will read it out loud at the end of our next episode. Deal? Sound good? <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. Okay, well, let's go ahead and sign off then. Brian, thank you so much for recording with me tonight. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure, too. So much Qui-Gon love. Okay, everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Just remember, the Force will be with you. Always.